Tracy Bentley, Executive Director of the Colorado Petroleum Council. And thank you for joining us today here at the Crude Life Media Network. Appreciate your time. And, you know, we were talking a little bit off the air that, um, you know, my radio audience is a, is a Wyoming, a Montana, a North Dakota, South Dakota, and a Minnesota audience, but our social media is 350,000. So we have a nice uh, foothold, if you will, within the industry. So that, that's, where I, that's the reason why we wanted to reach out to Colorado because, and we'll get to that after a bit, but uh, they've got something going on there that's really interesting that I truly believe the industry needs to hear about, that this is well beyond a Colorado issue, and we're going to get into that in a moment. But first, let's just kind of set the table, if you will, Tracy. What, what's going on out there with, I believe it's called Proposition 112? That's exactly right. So Proposition 112 is on the Colorado ballot this year. Voters, voters, excuse me, voters will vote it up or down on November 6th. And Proposition 112 increases statewide setbacks from oil and gas facilities to 2,500 feet. To give you an idea, right now they're about five, they're, they are 500. This measure would increase it to 2,500 feet. It would also allow local governments to go beyond 2,500 feet if they wanted to. Explain that last part, to go beyond 2,500. Sure. So there's a provision in the measure that says um, 2,500 would become the new baseline setback, the minimum requirement, if you will. But if I'm city X and I decide I want it to be further because that's not enough, I want it, we want it to be 5,000 feet, this proposition gives them the authority to do that. Okay. And uh, where, where is industry... In this, when I say industry, of course, I'm talking about the oil and gas industry. Um, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but just what, what are you hearing from people within the industry and, and what's their general feeling on this? Sure. Well, as you can imagine, we are adamantly opposed um, and we're putting on a campaign um, to hopefully try and stop this. But industry in general, um, we have about 230,000 oil and gas employees in the state of Colorado. And I can tell you there's a lot of fear out there because... Should Proposition 112 pass, it will effectively serve as a ban on new oil and gas development. So we have a lot of folks out there. I mean, we're over 6% of Colorado's economy. And when you put an entire industry in jeopardy like this, and I'm going to talk, and actually it's not just our industry in jeopardy, but we certainly have a lot of our oil and gas workforce who are afraid if this passes, what are they going to do? You know, where, where are they going to go for work? How are they going to afford to live? So it's a very troubling time. Um, in Colorado. But I want to hit on something that I just alluded to. I think the proponents, the activists that keep it in the ground folks, who are the, the folks running this, thought that they were just really going to take it to the oil and gas industry with Proposition 112. But in actuality, what happens is if it passes, the very first year alone, we would, we would lose 43,000 jobs. And by year 12, we'd lose about 150,000 jobs. The interesting thing about this is, of those jobs lost, 77% of the jobs are not going to come from oil and gas. We're looking at retail, um, hotel and lodging, construction, healthcare, teachers. Um, so so these are, this is just not about oil and gas by any stretch of the imagination. This is about Colorado's entire economy. Well, you bring up a really good point, and, and I, I want to get back to those job numbers in just a moment, but... Um, we, we, we have this uh, up in the, the Bakken, up in the Dakotas, if you will, where uh, coal, 
they they always talk about you know shutting down the coal plants and doing all this other stuff. You know, like ninety percent of electricity up up in the Dakotas comes from coal, and I keep thinking like. Why are these people not fleshing through or thinking through this? It's just, it's such knee-jerk extremism reactions to where, you know, like you mentioned that 77% of these job loss are going to come from non-oil and gas jobs. That is so true. That is so true. I mean, if you go and take a look at so many different studies, when, when they talk about jobs being created in a community, very few of them are, are actually oil and gas ones. They're just the ones that are the engine behind so many other jobs in the supporting service or the ancillary market, if you will. Uh, I do. I want to ask you about this Pricewater Coopers American Petroleum Institute study where it says that uh, 292,900 jobs, 78,300 directly, and nearly $31.4 billion in economic impact for Colorado. So when we're talking about several hundred thousand jobs, I would imagine this is, of course, over several years, and almost 80,000 of them directly oil and gas. Um, but we're talking $31.5 billion economic impact for Colorado. What, th- there's, when you say that there's a fear and that people are very much afraid, that's not an exaggeration, is it? This, isn't, this is literal definition words coming out of the dictionary. You are exactly right. And yes, there's huge fear that some out-of-state interest groups um, allowed or decided to put something as reckless as this on the ballot. I mean, we have local governments across our state saying if 112 passes, that is our revenue that we use to build roads, that we use to build schools, that we use to fund our first responders. We have, uh, in the very rural parts of Colorado, we have school districts who the oil and gas tax revenue is ni- over 95% of their total income for their schools. They'll have to shut down. We've talked to numerous of volunteer fire departments who said, without you guys here, we can't afford to operate, so we will have to shut down. So the devastating impacts that are going to ripple across our state almost immediately are going to be absolutely devastating. And there's no other industry inside this state or out that's going to step in and contribute right off the bat $32 billion to Colorado's economy. A couple of things I want to add to that. 85% of the country's firefighters are volunteer firefighters, and they rely on um, so much oil and gas contributions. I'll, I'll just say it flat out like that. When, when you take a look at a lot of these rural communities and smaller towns, they're volunteer fire departments. 85% fire departments are, are volunteer. So they need the bigger economic engines to continuously give them money to make those things work. So you're, you're exactly right. There are going to be some unintended consequences like emergency services that will probably shrivel up and the schools will be impacted because so much of uh, oil and gas taxes go directly to the schools. And the other thing I wanted to I wanted to bring up too is there are more than just Colorado out there, and unfortunately, and this is probably hard to hear, but um, Montana faces it every day against North Dakota. There is a significant, a decent amount, if you will, of Bakken land shale play underneath Montana. But because of the way that the state laws are are drawn up. 
you take a look at it, there's hardly any wells being drilled in Montana versus North Dakota. And that's not lost on people on the eastern side of Montana. They wish that they could get with the times and, and have some competitive laws and this sort of thing. When we're talking about what you guys are talking about, have, has there been numbers of what percentage of land will be uh, out of access for oil and gas? Is it 50%, 60%, something like that? Yep. So 85% of our non-federal surface acreage in Colorado will be taken off the table for oil and gas development. 94% of this non-federal area, uh, surface area in, in our state's top five producing uh, oil and gas counties will be unavailable. So statewide, 85%. But when you look at our top producing counties, of which I live in Well County, which is number one, 94% of surface land is off the table for Well County. So that's why when we say it's a ban, that it certainly serves it. When 85% of, of land is off the table and you can't produce, that's effectively a ban. That, that would, um, what would that do to your county? If 90, not, I mean, if you're talking about that much of a percentage is oil and gas revenue, um, what, what would that do to your county? It will, um, it will, it will, it will destroy our county's economy. Um, well over 55% of Well County's economy comes from oil and gas. Uh, we produce 80% of our state's uh, oil and natural gas right out of Well County. So, Well County will certainly take the biggest hit, although, again, this is going to be a statewide devastation, but Well County will absolutely uh, feel it the most. Oh, I'm I'm thinking of, like, um, I think it's Fallon County in Montana, where that's where the off-ramp for the Keystone Pipeline is. And, of course, you have Billings County in North Dakota, where, um, you know, it's kind of those hotbeds, if you will, of of good drilling, you know, land. And I'm, I'm just thinking of how that would... I don't know of a, how a business could make it in there well, if they did. Exactly it, right. and, yeah, from and a ca- know, from a cafe to a this. from a gas station. That's exactly right. So much of the small business business in Well County is almost completely dependent on the oil and gas industry workers coming in and dining every day, um, you know, using the facilities. And so you take those workers out, and we're going to see small Main Street shops, you know, family-owned businesses dry up and go away. Another thing I'd like to tell people is, in, in the state of Colorado, agriculture and oil and gas go hand in hand. So many of our ag producers are also mineral owners, and they heavily rely on those mineral payments in years where they have a bad crop or mother nature comes in and destroys their corn or their wheat. It's, it's their oil and gas revenue that saves them. So agriculture is going to feel this too. So I, I'm thinking of like uh, uh, whiting petroleum. I think Devon energy is, is there, um, you know, you've got some pretty big oil and gas companies based in Denver. Um, what, what are they saying? Are, 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 is anybody talking about if this thing goes through, we're, we're going to have to relocate to Oklahoma City or, or somewhere? Because, you know, a lot of those guys are based in Denver because there's a great international airport there. But they, they at least have some, you know, Colorado drilling activity they can rely on or they have and some mineral rights and that sort of thing. Is anybody talking to that extreme quite yet? Absolutely. Huh. If, if Colorado passes 112 and they effectively ban new development, from here on out, um, there is no reason 
for companies, um, you know, just to, to stick around and in Colorado, they would, some would stay to finish up their the current development that they have in the, the projects that they have in the ground. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they they would go to a more friendly state, right? Who appreciates the industry and, and what they bring to the table and all the jobs and the economics. And one thing that I like to tell folks in Colorado is, listen, we're we're being categorized as a purple state. I Meaning, you know, at any, at any given time, a Democrat Republican majority in any house or this or that could could happen, which is which is fine. But what what's not fine is to have a regulatory environment that with one election could completely be upheaved and completely be done. No business, not just oil and gas, can operate in such uncertainty when it comes to the regulatory environment. And so, you know, this election not only won 12, um, but but who who sits in our governor's um, office and who controls the Senate? If we last year uh, the oil and gas industry had to fight, you know, two dozen bills, anti-oil and gas bills, in one way or fashion, trying trying to either ding us or completely take us out of business. And if those bills were to ever pass, it would have a similar uh, effect that 112 does. So the uncertainty right now in Colorado is not good for business. Well, what are some of the intellectuals saying, you know, some of the college professors? And, you know, normally they, they of course, uh, the the intellectual liberals, if you will, would, would kind of go more towards, you know, my guess would be supporting Proposition 112. But to me... Proposition 112 is one of those one of those measures that if you actually take a moment and look at it like an intellectual is supposed to, you don't just surface it, you actually dig into it, you can see how devastating it, it is to beyond oil and gas. I mean, you're talking about health care, you're talking about emergency services, you're talking about um, uh, students, you're talking about um, just all kinds of social services that, quite frankly, are supported by the oil and gas industry in a one, two, three step process. Are any of the intellectuals, you know, economists or any of the universities coming out and saying, hey, this is a bad idea, folks? No, the good news is yes. Uh, we've had several community colleges, the University of Northern Colorado, located in Royal County, said, oh my gosh, this would devastate us. Please, guys, don't know on 112. We've had hospitals come out and say, you know, 112 passes, we're not, we're going to close our hospital. So the answer is yes. And, and something that you said earlier um, about some of the folks on the left. So Proposition 112 is the only ballot measure on the ballot that, that both Democrats and Republicans say, vote, no, this is awful. So we have every top Democrat, both at the federal level and at the state level in Colorado, encouraging everybody to vote no. And certainly we have the, the top Republicans. So this is the one thing on the ballot I think that they all agree on. Which brings me to my next question, which is the actual um, meat and potatoes reason for, for my reaching out to you um, with this with this Colorado issue. Um, like I said, you know, my radio audience is, is a five state. We got Montana, we've got Wyoming, the Dakotas, and Minnesota. Now we've got the social media audience, but you know, just from a radio standpoint, this will air on those those radio shows so that those five states will hear this. And the reason is, is that I've been following this now since Jack um, over at Summit Engineering kind of alerted me to this issue about a month and a half ago, something along those lines. And this seems very template to me. This seems like it's an, it is a group that may or may not be out of state, um, but, it, but it's definitely centralized. It's centralized through 
uh, their donations and their their state franchises, if you will. It just seems it just kind of smacks of that. And when you've been covering government affairs for 20, 25 years, you can pick up on this stuff. Okay, and to me, Proposition 112 seems like it is a template to be used in other states. Is anybody talking like that in, in Colorado? Absolutely, and you nailed it on the head. This is not a Colorado idea. It's not organic. Some, you know, people didn't sit around and say, you know, in Colorado, we should do this. Make no mistake. This is absolutely a national template that if they are able to successfully pass here, get ready, oil and gas states, because it's coming to you. And they're going to start right here in this Rocky Mountain region. We're just convinced of it. This this is being driven, this, this idea came from and is being funded and driven by Food and Water Watch and 350.org. Those are two very strong, keep it in the ground, Washington, D.C. based activist groups who recruited some folks in Colorado to take up their cause and put their name on it. The other biggest funder is, um, is a pocket full of anti-oil and gas folks in Boulder. But this is not Colorado, and, I want, and it's important that people understand that. But to your to your point, it's very very important people understand this is not necessarily a Colorado problem. Their hope is to find the strategy on how to pass it here and take it to other political states and heavy oil and gas states that kind of have that kind of look and feel like Colorado, and pour a bunch of money into what would then become the template. So I tell anybody who will listen, keep your eye on what happens in Colorado and, and the strategies that they use because they're not done yet. Now I would guess that the biggest um i guess marketing positive for the opponents or for, or for the people behind this is using the religion of environmentalism and i do call it a religion of environmentalism because that's the way it's 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 almost turned into that is that kind of is is that their message that they're trying to basically do is just kind of use that fear of of uh environmentalism oh that that and they they like to say that our that our industry isn't safe. And then we say, well, give us a credible study that shows that we're harming the environment or that we're not safe. Well, then they produce all of these very politically driven studies by activists that they've paid. And we say, no, no, we said credible. Um, in our state, it, it got so ridiculous that the state of Colorado said, okay, you know what? We're gonna conduct our own um, study and see, you know, if there's any truth to this. So our, our Department of Health here in Colorado sampled 10,000 air quality samples because they were calling in the question, um, you know, is it safe? Is the air safe? 10,000. I've never heard of a study that had the, the 10,000 samples, but they did across the state in heavy producing oil and gas areas. And what they came back after that and said is there is no health risk associated to folks who live in and around these areas, including the workers. So, you know, when, when the state the department of health comes out and says that that's about as good as it gets yet, they continue to say, we don't care what the state says. We believe that it, that it's not healthy. And the fact is there's nothing, there is no evidence to prove that. Um, when it comes to the environment, um, Colorado has some of the most stringent regulations of anywhere in the country. If we don't capture 98% of emissions at the wellhead, for example, is one of our rules, our companies face major fines. And if they get a couple of those fines, um, they'll, they'll be ordered to stop producing. So Colorado does not mess around when it comes to environmental organizations. So that, again, does not, does not hold up water. All right, so let's kind of summarize here a little bit. Let's um, let's recap what Proposition One Twelve is, 
And then how can people listening that are, I call them energy enthusiasts, because energy enthusiasts are anybody from a cafe owner to a truck driver to a CEO, uh, where, where they can find out more information on what you guys are um, talking about here with 112. So recap and then more information. Sure. So Proposition 112 would institute a, a, a mandatory statewide 2,500-foot setback uh, in the state of Colorado, and it would also allow local governments to increase that setback to whatever they wanted. Proposition 112, if passed, will ban all new oil and gas development in the state of Colorado, and that's the purpose of the proposition. It is not about health and safety or the environment. The, the activists who have proposed 112 absolutely know that 2,500 feet will, will take the oil and gas um, industry right out of town. For those folks who want to help, and by the way, um, we, you don't have to, to be in Colorado just to spread the good word about, or, about what we're doing. Um, industry, the business community, Republicans and Democrats alike, local governments have all come out in unison against uh, Proposition 112. So if there's one shining light here is, is that Proposition 112 has has united folks who may or may not otherwise have been motivated to unite. So um, we're proud of the coalition that we've built and all of our partners who have been helping. But I would say uh, just just keep an eye and watch carefully what what the um, what the opposition to oil and gas is doing because again I, I don't think it's going to stay in Colorado even even when we manage to beat this thing here um, they're not done yet they're going to come up with another version I'm convinced they're going to run something else in Colorado in a couple of years and I would imagine they may put it on the ballot or try to get it on the ballot in some other state so. Uh, if your listeners would just hang with us and stay engaged, um, any any questions that we in the state of Colorado industry can answer or be helpful to, please consider us a resource. And if you want more information about our, our No on 112 campaign and what we're doing here, you can go to protectcolorado.org, and um, you can find all of our campaign materials and messaging right there. <laughs> 